Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. And I'm really nervous. I know. I'm going to try not to cry. So this week, well, first off, welcome back after COVID because <laughs> I did my intro myself <gasps> last week and oh I texted you and I was like, I don't understand. Or I think you said, how do single people like, yeah. How do people podcast on their own? I don't know. <laughs> I must have recorded that intro like five times. I'm not even kidding. And then I typed my notes out just so I can make oh sure. <laughs> I didn't even have a voice most of the week. Like I, I was know. coughing so bad. I couldn't even talk. Oh, oh man. It was brutal. All right. Well, just to catch everybody up to speed, uh, this is National Infertility Awareness Week, and our very own Miss Heather is going to share her story this week. Uh, Yes. Yes. I'm going to. Yeah. (laughs) So. Um, Okay. So for anybody who follows me, I have a kid. He just turned 11. Um, He is not biologically my husband's kid. He is from a different relationship, but after Shane and I were married in 2015, we got married in August of 2015. And then that year, November, 2015, Shane legally adopted Gavin. So, um, and how old was Gavin? Gavin was two, almost three when we met. Mm -hmm. Um, so we met in 2014. And then a year and a half later, we got married Nice. and then he adopted Gavin. So Gavin was very young. Um, but a lot of people are weird when I say like, we were trying to have a baby, like, and, and couldn't cause they see Gavin and, and that's right. the story behind that is Gavin is uh, my biological son, but Shane adopted him. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess our story starts one year after we got married. It was literally on our one-year wedding anniversary. We were like, okay, let's do this. We're going to have a baby. And I think the hard thing that we struggled with is that we waited a full year of being married to start. And it only because you think you're going to get pregnant right away. Right. And I think I get that, but I I really hope you you don't keep looking at that. that No, but we we felt, um, that, and obviously hindsight is exactly. Um, so we started trying literally on our wedding anniversary, August of 2016. Um, we waited a year because we again thought, well, we would get pregnant instantly. Um, as most people do, like if you don't struggle with infertility or, you know, people who had quote unquote accidents, um, right. Like don't know that it, it can take a while. So we were trying, I mean, we did everything from positions, feet in the air for 30 minutes after Mm -hmm. sex, um, tracking ovulation, what foods to eat, everything you can think of. We did because the doctors won't see you um, until you've been trying for a year. So right, that's exactly what my doctor told me. If after yes. a year, it doesn't work. We'll talk about next. Yeah. Step. Um, so they say that infertility is defined as any couple trying to conceive naturally and can't for a year or more. Um, and so we were trying, meanwhile, it, what felt like everybody we knew were just getting pregnant left and right. Um, that first year was really hard for me to watch people around me get pregnant. And then we weren't. Um, and so it was now August 4th, 2017, Shane's birthday. And as when I was pregnant with Gavin, I knew I was like, I'm pregnant. I just feel it. And so on his birthday, before he got home from work, I went out and I bought so many pregnancy tests, um, and took them. They were positive and I was like over the moon that we were getting our baby. So I pulled out my cricket. I made, I think he still has them. I, we could post a picture. Um, I wanted to get rid of them. He insists that he wants to keep them, but the newborn size onesies and I made him three of them. Um, it's like miracle baby. Cause our doctor told us that it would be a miracle if we ever got pregnant on our own. Um, cause we started calling before we found out we were pregnant. We actually had an appointment 
with a fertility doctor because we were coming up on our one year. So this was right before it had been a year and we had already made um, appointments and set up testing and all that stuff. And we were told that it would be, I don't even know why, because this one doctor told us it would be a miracle if we ever got pregnant on our own, but later on different doctor um, had different things to say. Anyway, so I put the onesies in a gift bag and I gave it to him like as his gift. Mm-hmm. And the look on his face was just like the happiest I think I've ever seen him. Um, and so, yeah, we were overjoyed. We were finally pregnant, um, called the doctor and made our, cause when you're pregnant, they won't see you until you're eight weeks along. And so eight weeks would have been the week of our wedding anniversary. And I was like, oh my God, how perfect. Like, this is like a birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, it's just meant to be right. Like we're going to go meet our baby on our wedding anniversary. And so for those four weeks, like we were just over the moon, so happy, um, drove to the doctor on August 29th, 2017 for our eight week appointment. And I think we knew pretty quickly that something wasn't right because the sonogram technician was very quiet um, and didn't say anything. And so we then went in the room with my doctor and she said that the baby was measuring more like six weeks, not eight. So she's like, maybe the timing is just off. So we'll, we'll have to have you come back in a week um, to make sure that the baby's growing. So I, I just have one question and this might be naive of me because, you know, I'm not in it as much as you are. I never heard of that eight week rule because it was when I was pregnant with Gavin too. Really? Um, and I don't know if it's my doctor thing. I don't, I don't know, but it's, they don't want to see you until you're eight weeks. I guess there's not, Interesting. it's harder to detect a baby, I guess, when it's super small. Right. But they can but do was, the blood work and all that to at least test you to make sure you I had the if hormone you're older or you're high risk they will but gotcha. I was neither hmm. um so it was just eight weeks interesting um, yeah I never heard that yeah before. I don't know if again I don't know if it's just where I go or if that's a normal thing but mm-hmm. that's my experience both times was eight weeks um and so we kind of left that appointment not very happy I mean we were you know and Shane is the most positive person like it's everything's gonna be okay he it's is measuring he, small he, he like is. You know, and he also, he could see, I was just devastated. Cause I was like, something's wrong. This is not something's wrong. Um, and so we went back and the sonogram technician, I mean, like, I will never forget the words, like there's no heartbeat. And I was spread Eagle on the table. Cause when you're that far along, it goes, they, go, they do the vaginal. I had, yes. yeah, that's how I had to do mine. And so I literally was still in that position crying hysterically. Like I just crumbled, like almost fell off the table. Like Shane had to catch me. Um, it's, it's interesting to you because I think when we've talked about this, how aware you were with so many things and how I feel like some, sometimes you don't necessarily know what's happening in that moment. And it's one of the things I do appreciate about you is that you're able to feel things immediately. I mean, I <laughs> like, you're so aware of, like, of all of that. I didn't care who was in there. Like it just instantly. Yeah, the tears I, that's came. one thing I love and appreciate about you. Well, and I think part of it is right. You grow up thinking I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a baby and nothing's going to go wrong. Right. Well, you're that's kind of what we're taught. Yeah. I mean, you're not told or we're not taught that it actually isn't that easy to get pregnant. Well, we're or at- you could lose your baby. Right. Well, we're actually taught. I remember at a young age, my mom telling me, you know, if you ever get pregnant, you don't say anything for three months because there's a chance. Like that's you what we're taught because it's such a taboo thing. You don't want people to know. You don't tell that- people that you're pregnant. Right. Because you might lose it and you don't want people to know that you lost it. I'm the like, amount of people who, it, I honestly feel like to me at that point in my life, that was a myth or an urban legend, right? A miscarriage because nobody was talking about it. Exactly. Um, and I still feel like people aren't as open or vocal about it, which is why I am. Because right. I went into this appointment thinking like nothing's going to go wrong. 
Right. Um, well, it, you mentioned in your post today, like infertility being defined different ways and you're right. Miscarriage is such a tab, like infertility is starting to be a little bit more prevalent in our society. Like a lot of people are start talking about it, but like those steps and everything like you hear about IVF, you hear about IUIs, you hear about this, yeah. but you don't hear those, those miscarriage stories in a sense as well. Like, I, I think those are, yeah. And I didn't start talking about our situation for a couple of months. So this would have been in August. And the first time I publicly shared anything was October of that year, because there's a day and it's, I'm going to butcher the name of it, but it's like light, 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 light up or light the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you light a candle for all the babies in heaven. Right. And that was how I introduced our miscarriage was on that day. Um, but so, yeah, she said, um, there's no heartbeat. And then we met with the doctor and the doctor said, you have two choices. Um, there's no heartbeat. So the baby is not alive. Um, you can either do nothing and go home and wait for it to quote unquote pass, um, which is your body expelling the dead tissue, which I didn't do. Um, but have heard it's pretty horrible. Um, and that doesn't always work. Um, so the other option was a DNC, which is where you go to the hospital, they put you under and they remove it for you. And she said that, um, sometimes when you wait for it to happen naturally, if it doesn't all pass and any bit of it's left, it can cause an infection. Mm -hmm. Um, if it gets bad enough, you have to remove your uterus. You won't ever have kids, all of the negative, horrible things. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't even, I mean, I feel like I was sitting in that room completely zoned out. I mean, I couldn't stop crying. So shame having to be the one, right. So we get home, we literally left there and didn't speak. We hadn't, we said nothing to each other. We got home and I just laid down on the couch and cried and he just sat next to me. Um, And then he finally said that he wanted me to do the DNC um, because he, well, he knows me enough to know that if I didn't and I waited for it, I'm prolonging the inevitable and I'm holding on to something that's not ever going to happen. Right. And that I needed to heal and my body needed to heal and we needed to move forward. Um, And so he called the doctor. I made the appointment and he set everything up and I'll never forget sitting in the hospital. So we went to, there's a hospital in Austin, Texas, and it is more of a Christian based hospital. Um, it's just where, where we went. It's where I had Gavin. Um, but they kept talking about the baby as tissue. Um, and so I just cried the entire time I'm sitting in the hospital bed, like they're going over the procedure. And they're having me sign all of these papers and they just keep talking about it. And so finally, when the nurse left, I looked at Shane and I was like, it's not tissue. It's our baby. Right. Um, and so that was really like, um, and so they, they put me to sleep and I went back for the procedure and I don't even remember this, but so I was in a hospital. So I was back in the hospital. Shane was in the waiting room, which was pretty far away. And he said he knew I was out of the procedure because he could hear me screaming for him right through the walls of the hospital. Yeah. Um, while they were wheeling me into the recovery room. And I don't remember, like, all I know is I opened my eyes and he was standing next to me holding my hand. Um, (laughs) well, I mean, quite honestly, when you get put under and you woke up, you wake up, like I did it six times. It's, it's a trip. (laughs) Yeah. I had, I had no recollection of screaming for him. Mm -hmm. Um, but he says like, he heard me and he was like, I'm coming back there. And they were like, well, she's not ready for you yet. And he's like, I'm either coming back there. Cause you're going to let me, or you're coming back there forcefully, but I'm going to see my wife. Right. Um, I mean, as, as I mean, he should be there waiting. They should have had him there. Yeah. You know, that's the first person you want to see. Yeah. Literally the first um, person I wanted to see was John. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of started a whole lot. Like this was just the, beginning, this is of, the beginning of the avalanche 
right? Yeah. Like, like the snowball that, is starting. Yeah. Um, because what they also don't tell you is that at this particular hospital, and maybe they did tell me, but again, I wasn't listening to anything that was being said. Um, they bury the, oh. the, the quote unquote tissue. Got it. They don't do a ceremony or they don't do anything like that, but they call you to let you know, but they don't do it right away. So this was in August. They didn't call until November, like almost to Thanksgiving of that year. And I was at work and I got a phone call and they called to let me know that they were burying our baby that day. And I like, again, just like lost all of it. Um, I've, meanwhile, I've, <laughs> you, what do you need? I just need a minute I'm and I'm sorry. So I know. And I'm, I'm trying not to not I'm, take that. Awkward, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to take that emotion away from you, but what? Yes. Like what were they do? I don't know because there's no, again, like there's no ceremony. There's nothing you do. Like, but they don't, did they not know. understand the kind of trauma or, or what you're putting a woman through at that moment and to be a Christian hospital? And months later, it, months it, later that's what I, mean. I feel like if it had been right away, it would have right. been different, but this is, I mean, yeah, like several you're, months later. Right. And you like probably already started up. and you probably already started your healing process heal. and, right. you know, thinking about what it is you're going to do next. And then this just, it's like ripping a bandaid off and it's bleeding again or ripping the scab off in a sense. Yeah. Shame on um, them. So that was, that was that. Um, oh, that and then we, we would never be pregnant again. Um, and so we, so it's November where they called, we continued to try because doctors are saying, right. Oh, it's, it's, it's so great. You guys were able to get pregnant. Like, that's a good thing. Like, you know, um, keep trying, you'll get pregnant again. Um, we never did. And so finally the following year, um, we called that same doctor that we had talked to before we found out we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, call him, made an appointment to do, to start the process for, um, the IUI, which is the intrauterine, uterine sem- insemination. So can um, you just for me, take a moment because it wasn't until I met you that I've actually learned all the different yeah. things. Can you kind um, of explain if you don't mind yeah, what, so, what IUI is a little bit more thoroughly? So those who don't know, no. Right. Um, so the IUI it's intrauterine insemination and it is what my husband likes to call the Turkey baster method. So it is where he provides his sample in a cup (laughs) they take the cup which side note if anybody is going through any of these procedures your husband or significant other or spouse or whoever does not have to do it in the facility they allow you to do it at home they have very strict um rules for collecting the sample um but you don't have to do it in what my husband likes to call uncle touchy's jack shack i can't he had yeah it's the thing i'm laughing because i know your husband and this is yeah (laughs) it was i mean come on think about what he's having to do in this room like he had to find humor in it um right i'm not going to talk about the room part of it like he he came home and i swear i thought he was traumatized yeah um (laughs) so what you do so you're able to do it at home if you collect at home which from then on out for everything we ever did we provided the sample from home. Mm-hmm. I would wait downstairs and yep. then he would come out with his little brown paper bag <laughs> and then I would hold it while he drove to the clinic. <laughs> you have one hour from the time it's in your cup to the time the doctor needs it because then it starts to, I want to say go bad, but I don't even know. If right. It milk, expire. Can we say expire? it goes bad or it, goes it starts bad. to decline. Decline. That's so you give that to them and they spin it in a thing, like a machine. I feel like I've seen that before. Yep. Yeah. They spin it and hand pick the best of the best, what Shane likes to call his A team. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's his part in the, on the other side, what I was having to go through is they prescribed me Clomid. 
Clomid is a pill that you take mm-hmm. and it increases your egg production. So instead of producing one egg, you produce multiple eggs with IUI. The hope is that you don't have more than three because they don't want you having multiple babies. It's, um, it's not ideal to have, you know, a lot of eggs for IUI because they're not taking them out. You're just inserting into the woman right, for it to take. And you hope that it takes one. Um, so the first month that we, and you have to wait, right? So you get your period. So you, it's, it, it's all Planned anything out. with fertility. It's waiting because you have to wait till you get your period and then your cycle starts and then you count this many days and you start taking this. Um, you have to call the clinic and make sure like this is day one. And so the very first time we ever did this, I took Clomid, um, went in and they do a sonogram to see how many egg follicles you have. And then the thing I liked about the IUI was they did the shot for what my clinic did. So if I brought my shot with me, um, they would give me the shot and I don't have my notes in front of me, so I don't know what hormone it was, but it makes you ovulate. Mm -hmm. So you go in and you, you do your sonogram. They're like, you're good to go. We're going to give you your shot, come back in 24 hours with his sample. So he has to do it the day of, and then we'll prep it while you wait. And then Mm -hmm. we do the insemination. Well, month one, we found out that I have a very good response to medication. Um, I think I had 12 eggs from the Clomid and they were like, no, you have to go home. And I was like, are you effing kidding me? First of all, we've paid now money, right. For sonograms. And I want to say, so our insurance covered nothing. Everything that we did was paid out of pocket. Um, so to have a full month wasted of medication, right of sonograms and they're 200 to 250 a pop for every sonogram you have to do. Um, I was devastated and we had to go home because now you have to wait for another month. Um, so so much the doctor torture. I feel like it, I mean, it, it's nothing about it is pleasant. Right. Um, so the second time we were going to do it the following month, they were like, let's give you no Clomid because we don't think you need it. So we did no Clomid, did the whole process of the IUI. And then it's a waiting game, right? Like you, you, <clears throat> you have to wait now to see if you start your period or if you don't, and then you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like those, those, you know, however many days after you just like, can't hold your, like, you can't catch your breath. Like all you want to do is hold your breath until, you know, um, month two, it didn't work. And so month three, we talked to our doctor and he's like, you guys can keep doing this, but it's roughly five grand a pop. Um, you can keep doing IUIs, but if it's not, I mean, it's not going to work. Right. So we were like, let's do it one more time because the alternative to that was IVF, which is incredibly invasive. Um, so we did half a dose of Clomid, um, did it again for a third time and it didn't work. Um, but our experience with the clinic after, um, at our third appointment, I was, I was done. I was, I couldn't believe it. So we had done this two times before. Well, the way that we did it was because Shane's very busy. He owns multiple companies. He can't go sit at a doctor's office for hours on end. Right. So he would give me his sample. I would take it in the brown paper bag to the clinic to give it to them so they could start the process of prepping it while I waited. And then he would show up and go in the room with me. So he was holding my hand while they did it. Mm -hmm. We did this two times and there was no problem. The third time the lady wouldn't take it. So I'm now sitting in the waiting room, holding the bag, frantically calling Shane because you have one hour. Are you? And I was like, ma'am, ask our doctor at 
this is what we've been doing. This is our third time to do this. If, if, yeah. if this wasn't accept, I wouldn't be here doing this. Like, can you please just take the bag? Like, and there's people in the waiting room and I'm begging this lady to take my husband's semen. Right. Just Check my it. file. Check my file. Just, ta- just don't just take it and start. And I understand. And I can appreciate the reason why, because if he wasn't my husband or a willing participant, and I'm bringing a baggie of something to inseminate me, they ha- I get it. You've allowed this because we've asked and it was noted in our file that this was okay. My husband signed a consent that I could bring it. So I'm now arguing with this lady. As you're holding this it, bag. Begging her, just take it. Please just take it. Just take it and do what you need to do. Um, and after an hour and a half, she finally took it. I would have lost. I did. Whoa. And then I've got Shan calling Shane, freaking out. Cause he's at a, like, he's trying to get there, but he's like, I'm literally walking out of a meet, like trying to get there. Um, needless to say the third time it didn't work. Um, and I blame, I at the time blamed that lady. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, they would have gotten a nice little Karen little was, letter so from after me. after that, yeah, <laughs> no, after that, I told Shane that I was like, I don't care what we do, but I'm never doing anything with this, this clinic again. I don't blame you. Um, and so third time didn't work. And so we were kind of like, what, what do we do? Because we're now being told by this doctor that our only hope is IVF, um, which IVF is in vitro fertilization where they take his sperm, my egg, put it in a Petri dish and make a baby. It's not that simple because you have to get the eggs. Um, and so the process leading up to the egg retrieval is so many shots. Um, it's a very rigid schedule. Um, I still have mine in a binder somewhere. Um, but it's, you have to do this shot at this exact time every night, this shot in the morning, and then you go for blood work at a very specific time. And then you go into the office for um, a sonogram to check the growth of the follicles where they measure all of the follicles out. Mind you, I was going in the first round of IVF we did. I think I went in every other day for a sonogram, 250 a pop. So we, we knew it was gonna be expensive. We knew it was going to be invasive um, and there was no guarantee. And so we waited a while um, to do it. And so finally we said, December of 2019, we were like, let's do it. Let's do it. We can't, we can't put this off anymore. And we were told by our doctor that it would work basically. And I know they can't guarantee it, but after all of the testing they did on him and all of the testing they did on me, they, there's no reason why you shouldn't have your baby. Right. And that's, I think very hard. So you go into this thinking like, this is finally it. Mind you, we started trying in 2016. It's now 2019 Right. when we decide to do it. So January of 2020, we started the process. We went in, sign all the paperwork, write the big fat check, um, order all the medication and start birth control because they have to time your cycle, which I was like, birth control. This this part of the story always gets me. I still don't understand why I still don't. Yes. They want to control every part of your cycle. Once you say I'm doing IVF. So January of 2020, I started with birth control. And when I went in for my first sonogram, I had cysts. Well, when I was younger, I would get ovarian cysts Mm -hmm. all the time. Which is a common side effect. Mind you, if you've already been you know, exposed to that, or you already have that, but it's a common side effect of birth control. Well, and I hadn't been on birth control now since we got married. Mm -hmm. So I've been off birth control for years and now I'm back on it. And I got, I think I had two or three cysts on my ovaries Mm -hmm. and the protocol is continue taking your birth control until they dissolve. 
And I was like, I tried to tell him, I was like, look, dude, I get what you're saying, but in my history, they don't dissolve, they rupture and it's painful and it bleeds and it's a whole thing. Is there something else we can do? And he said, nope. Um, and so finally, after two months, we were able to start the shots and the way that it works is you are responsible for ordering all of your own medication. So they give you, your doctor gives you a protocol and then you contact the company and order your shots and you are responsible for ordering them. So if you run out or you don't have enough, it's on you. And then that's it. So I overordered the first time because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to like, I have to have enough medication. And you don't know when your egg retrieval is going to be. And you can't, you can't be in a situation where you scramble, which I was the second time. Um, and so ordered all the stuff It came, we were so excited, um, which is a weird thing to say, but we were really excited because we were like, we're finally going to get our baby. Well, right. That's the stigma when everybody goes into these situations, we're going to, we're going to get pregnant. This we're is it. Fin- we're this is finally, it. We're finally going to do finally, it. Well, and part of why we waited so long to do IVF was because of that. It was the, this is finally it. But in the back of my mind, I thought, if this doesn't work, that's it. Right. There's that's it. There's no chance. Right. And that IVF is kind of an admittance that you did need that invasive help and to get you to this way. So this is it. This is, this is the final. Yeah. All of the testing for both of us says nothing's wrong with him and nothing's wrong with me. Right. And I know so many people that have similar stories in that sense that there's nothing wrong with them. They just couldn't get pregnant. Yeah. So we start the shots. I have videos. Um, I shared the entire journey for both rounds, um, on Instagram. And I actually took my profile off of private. So it's public and I have two highlight reels. If anybody wants to watch them, um, it's IVF round one and IVF round two in my highlights of, of all of it, Mm -hmm. um, or mostly all of it. Um, and so we did the shots. Um, we did the sonograms. I responded very well to all of the medication. I had lots of eggs. Um, so what you do is when you're not, when you have to have, they want, well, my doctor, I'm just speaking for my doctor. I can't speak for others. My doctor wanted any eggs over 19. I don't know what's that millimeters. Maybe I think they're millimeters or minute. Yeah. Not milliliters, but they're milliliters liquid. I think millimeters, millimeters. So they, he wanted them over 19. So any over 19 were viable that could become a baby. Um, and I wish I had it. I have it written down. Let me, I can grab it and tell you <laughs> how many. I just want to go back. You, you made a funny statement that it's something that I always hear binder. too. When uh, I was talking to different women that go through this, they always say, I had so many eggs. I had so many, I was so fertile. Everybody, that's a yeah. common thing too, I hear. Like, oh my God, but did I well, have a I lot can, of eggs? I can post a picture, but like, this is my protocol. Like, I don't know if yeah. you can see it. It's kind Mickey's of on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can post a picture of it, but it tells you like the date and your shots. And then I have um, every dated um, mm-hmm. of the eggs left, right. So like when we went in for our last, our last round of IVF, um, on 11, four of 20, I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine eggs. Um, anyway, um, I kept all of this. Um, I mean, I would too. <laughs> so you go in, so you, yeah, after they're like, you have enough, let's do this. Um, you have to time it 24 hours. And then, so all of the shots are done at home. I am not able to do them. So Shane had to give me every single shot, um, on our kitchen table. <laughs> and so he gave me the shot and we went in the next day for the egg retrieval. Like this is like getting our eggs. Like, yeah. So, um, I got put under, they did the egg retrieval. I think there's a video out of both of them, out of both of them. I come out crying about how much I love my husband. He's the greatest thing ever. And he's like, I'm going to keep these because the next time you're <laughs> mad at me, like, um, and then you wait. Um, so the first call we got was later that day to tell me exactly how many eggs we got. And then they call you and tell you the next day, how many, um, fertilized. 
And then they call you, I think they called us one, the next, the following, so three days later to tell you how many grew. And then like a couple of days go by. So this whole process, like they're calling you. So you literally are just like waiting. And every time your phone rings, you are just like, oh God, your heart on the edge of your seat bit. because you're yeah. waiting to find out how many embryos you have. Right. Um, the first round, we ended up with two embryos that were sent off for genetic testing because we did not want to go. Cause you can do a fresh transfer where they literally are like, okay, day five embryo come in. We're going to put the embryo in you and just see what happens. But we wanted genetic testing um, to make sure, because if you put in an embryo, that's not genetically healthy or that's not viable, you either won't get pregnant, like it won't take, or you will. And then you'll miscarry down the road. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to avoid another miscarriage. Right. You don't want to go through that. That's Yeah. So now we're into March of 2020 waiting for all these calls. And I got the call Friday before spring break, which also happened to be the Friday before the entire world shut down because of COVID. Right. That was the Friday that I, I dragged you out for margaritas. So they called. And so they ship the embryos go to Vegas um, for genetic testing. And then the embryologist is to call to tell you your results. And again, it was not the call you're expecting. No, she called me and said that we had, and every call, like if Shane wasn't home with me, I would like three-way call him in. Right. And so he was in a meeting, but he took the call because we had the embryologist on the phone and she said, you have neither one of them are viable. Do you want me to tell you anything? And I said, no, thank you. Crying hysterically hung up the phone and just collapsed on my bedroom floor. Um, Shane came home shortly after that. And then you came and picked me up. Yeah. I remember John, John texted me and he was like, Shane, just Shane just left you. I don't think it's good news. And that's when me and Haley were like trying to get you to see if you were okay. And that was the day. Yeah. That was the day I took you out. Yeah. So we went and had a margarita mm-hmm. and then the world shut down. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like we didn't even get to process. Right. Um, because you're in the middle, like nobody knew what was going on at the time, right? Like this pandemic, right. everything shut down and you guys are, you know, you, you have to deal with this outside world, literally going down in shambles right. while your internal world was also going down in shambles. So your focus right. on healing or understanding what you went through was not there, not purposely. You never had, that. You never right. had it because you had to yeah. worry about everything, everything right. else. Right. Well, and Gavin was in school and I was right. working full time and, um, and I think it's something to be said to not to cut you off is the amount of hormones that are also in your body at this oh my point, gosh. cause you're yeah. still dealing with all of that when yeah. all of this was going on. Right. Sorry. So I had the, to, I had to make sure we talked about that. <laughs> the emotional part of that was pinned because mm-hmm. yeah, now it's, I am full-time work from home. I am full-time teacher helping Gavin that there was no, are the grocery stores open? Can we get food? Are we going to run out of food? And I mean, food, literally everybody our conversation. Yeah. Everybody went into survival mode. So right. Our was conversations no, was where do you get good food? Where like, do we need to get toilet paper? paper? <laughs> like we were so like, there, yeah. weren't we kind of like working with each other? Like, Hey, if you see laundry yes. here, grab that for me. Like I'll we were get constant. this for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there was no time to process anything. Um, and so we said after that, like, this has to be pinned, like, and, and to do IVF, like Shane was with me at every appointment to do IVF going forward. Well, first of all, the clinics were like, we're not even going to do it because COVID. Right. Um, and so we finally decided at the end of 2020, when my clinic was like, we'll do it, but he can't come with you, um, to anything. Right. Um, so we did it again in November and um, this time we had four embryos sent off for testing. And again, we got the call the day before Thanksgiving, which I feel like these moments, right? Like we're like, we're going to get the call and it's going to come the day before Thanksgiving. And like, mm-hmm. we're going to, this is going to be our thankful. Like it's going to be a great Thanksgiving, like all this stuff. And then they tell us that again, nothing's viable. 
well, after that, um, it was, I should say throughout this whole process, I am a very big emotional eater. I'm an emotional shopper. Um, I, um, ate everything in sight to comfort me. Um, and I gained 80 pounds. Um, and this started after the miscarriage, Mm -hmm. um, coupled with hormones, watching people who we started trying to have a baby first now have two, maybe three. Um, it was a lot. And I still feel like after that, I still like nothing was ever processed. It was more just like, I need a distraction. And so after we got the call, um, about the November egg retrieval, um, I took time off of work, but, um, kind of like that call about we buried your tissue about six months after each egg retrieval comes a bill in the mail for storage of your embryos. So it's like, just when you think you're Mm-hmm. gonna heal or you're gonna, whatever. I feel like you're just like knocked on your ass again. I mean, you're pulled right back into it, right? Something yeah. that you're like trying to push aside, trying to figure out a way to acknowledge the fact that it happened, accept it, move on. However you want right. to put it. We talked yeah. about this last week briefly, and now you're getting pulled back into that world of you didn't have a baby right. and it's, it's, and, it's yes. a floodgate, right? Yeah. So Um, November when it didn't work again, I I feel like the only way to explain it is just like a complete and total feeling of we were just defeated. Um, because now we've spent, I mean, I have the total somewhere, but just alone for the IVF, we spent $56,000. Um, IUIs were about five grand a pop We had to pay for the DNC, um, extra medication. Like, I mean, we're probably 60, $75,000 all in. Um, so the idea of doing it again, I mean, financially is a lot. Um, but just my, my body, like the second time we did IVF, I don't know if you remember that Halloween trying to trick or treat you Mm -hmm. guys came. I literally felt like like my uterus, my ovaries were going to fall out of my vagina. I was doubled over in pain and had to leave. And you guys had to finish with Gavin and bring him home. Um, the healing of the egg retrieval just was worse. And just the thought of like, just physically doing it a third time. Um, I don't know if my body could handle it. And then Mm -hmm. like the mental part of trying to stay positive and trying to be like this positive person when it's like all of these negative things are happening. Right. And then emotionally you're just drained. Um, and so I took time off of work thinking that I, you know, but it was the holidays and it's, you know, so I, didn't I mean, really it really wasn't time off. Like from my from a friendship perspective, yes, you took time off, but you didn't take time off. Right. Like you, it wasn't yeah. a time for you to focus on you and you know face what just happened. You kind of just went in the motion. Oh, it's the holidays. We got to do all these things. You yeah. know, you've never really had that time. Of, yep. Yeah. Just another so distraction. I switched jobs January of 2021. Mm-hmm. Throw myself into a new job. I'm learning a new role. I don't have time to deal with anything. And about two months ago, it all just kind of came to a crashing. You need to do something. Um, so I quit my job, um, to finally focus on myself and I'm now this is where I'm going to cry and just kind of, I don't want to relive it, but I feel like I need to sit in what happened and like process that because we went through a lot of shit right? Um, in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like it's just, I never dealt with it. Um, I'm still 80 pounds overweight. Um, I still cry when I see baby announcements. Um, I, I just feel like I needed time where I have nothing to focus on, but I can't drown myself in something. Right. You kind of need time to write the story, if that makes sense. And then close the book. I just became so consumed with like baby Mm -hmm. and it's, 
I guess it's just kind of, I want to say a gentle reminder, but I don't think there's anything gentle about it that you, you can only control what you can control. Right. Um, and through the lack of being able to control getting pregnant, I focused that on like trying to control my husband and like what he was doing. And, um, I feel like I did it in my friends. Like I would try and like over stupid shit that didn't even matter. Just try to control certain situations Mm -hmm. for no other reason than I needed to feel some control. Right. And And if I could, if I, if I could control something, then I wasn't spinning, um, trying to control other parts of my life. And it's not even other parts of my life. It's like, I didn't control the things that I should have been controlling. Right. Like the only thing you can control is yourself. Right. I wasn't controlling my working out. I wasn't controlling, trying to be healthy. I was, I was trying to control. Well, I just want to stop you outside because things from an outside perspective, you did have those moments where you were 100% and all in it. And then something would happen that would bring you back. So I want you to give yourself a little bit more credit. Cause that's what I did see <laughs> is that you did do those things. You did try to, you know, you did try. And we talked about this emotional tool bag, right? right? It's just, there was always that part of you that didn't focus on it, that you got reeled back into some of these things. So to give yourself some credit, you did work out, you did <laughs> take the time. It just, no, it, but I, it, it could if have been I, more, maybe that's what you should say rather than that you didn't. Right. But I feel like if I, I guess just the biggest takeaway is that you can't, you can only control what you can control, but trying to control things that are out of my control became an obsession. Of course. I right. So trying to control other people mm-hmm. became like, and, right. and I don't know if it's because it was I I honestly, I don't know why, but it was like, instead of trying to control the controllable that I actually control, right? Like my health, my mental health, my physical well-being, I didn't, I didn't focus any on that. Everything was external. And now like I've been out of, I've stopped where I guess it's been almost a month. Um, and I'm just like having like all of these realizations, like Mm -hmm. throughout the days, um, of, things that I did, um, you know, and a lot of people say like, you can't, you can't work out or eat right because you hate your body. You have to do it because you love your body, but I don't love my body because I feel like it failed me more than once. And so I feel like I've been doing things like to punish it because it hurt me, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's not right. Like, right. I mean, it's, it's been through all of these things that you put it through and it's still here, like that you should love it for, right. It gave me Gavin. You should love it for like all of the things that I did to it. Right. Like all of the hormones I put into it, all of like the shots that I did. And, and so like just coming out of it. Right. And now I'm, from I'm looking at it from that perspective. Is I know. And, and it's so different. wrong of me to say it, but I'm, I, I'm happy that you're there. If that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm not happy that you're hurting, right? No, like, I know, but, but I'm happy yeah. that you're finally at a place where you are acknowledging that you were hurting yourself in a sense by thinking about yourself that way, because right. all I ever want from you is to love yourself, right? Love that body. <laughs> like it's yeah, you and I, I mean, talk about I'm... how different we are in all those aspects. And that's all I ever want from yeah. you is just come on this side. Come on this side. <laughs> well, and I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I told Shane to leave me and find somebody who can give him a baby, right. but there's no science behind why I can't like, no, it's not and me, you and I've talked him. about this, even but if to, he went to like, somebody else, who's to say it would happen. Well, yeah, but like I even recently said something to him about like, don't you just want to, why do you want to be in this marriage when I can't give you a baby? Like, I'm still like saying, and he's like, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. I'm not with you for a baby. Right. Would have been a bonus and would have been amazing, but like, please stop saying that. And it's just, how do you get out of well, that's where you got to find these, these tools, you know, and that's the other thing. If I could say something too, like we talked about you being pulled back into it. Every time you say something like that, you're pulling him back into it. Right. right. So it's, it's a, it's a constant battle because yes, I want you to feel, or you want to feel the feel process it, but 
everybody deals with things differently and you could be doing yeah. things to him that like the hospital did to you, you know, like, right. you know, it's an ongoing <laughs> cycle. Right. Um, so I'm, I know that a lot of the women that we talk to are like a lot farther down the road of their journey. And I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I am at the very beginning of mine because yeah, it's been two years since the first round of IVF, but it's the first time ever in my two years that I'm actually like, you get to sit with it, sitting with it and trying to heal. Um, and I don't want to take up a lot of time. I feel like, I don't know how long we've been recording. Um, um I think we still got time. I think we hopped on. I'll edit all this. I think you and okay. I hopped on the phone. Hold on. At like quarter of, right. Isn't it so weird? You're in it and you're just like, I need to be mindful of time. And um, I just feel bad. Um, like 10, but I can wrap it up. Bad. Don't feel bad. I think um, we're in a good spot. So let's, let me, okay. let me just do this. So we're about 10 of, so we probably started around four. So we got, we got like okay. 10, 15 minutes to play with. Um, but I think it's a good place. And I think it, one of the things that you and I have, you know, I'm so proud of you for doing this and, and getting to those points of admitting. You're now, now this is what's going to make me cry. <laughs> this is what made me cry. I, no, I've awkward laughed through the entire thing to not cry. Right. It's so hard being, I, I commend all the women that do this, honestly, no, because, this is, um, yeah. but I do want to, I, I hope it goes without saying that I've always been on the sideline for you and just cheering on you and, and seeing you go through all of this and, and wanting to see you heal with it. And it's kind of, I'm going to cry because I never gave myself those options as well. Right. I mean, you, well, that's how I wanted yeah. to end. Like the, yeah. what I wanted this. Yes. This is where I wanted to wrap it up. Like I could talk about medical procedures all day long, but that's not what this is about. The reason that I share my story is so that other people feel less alone. Right. And that they know that at the end of it, you might not get your baby because I wasn't prepared for that. And I actually had a friend of mine who was doing her first round of IVF when I did my second. And she told me that she followed my journey the first time. And the only reason she was able to prepare herself for her outcome of no viable embryos was because she had watched my story. And she said the same thing that I said, I didn't know that was an option. Honestly, I didn't. I assumed you guys going through IVF. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an auntie in a, in a year. <laughs> like that's how so, I looked at it. Like, yeah. you, you know, not to laugh about it, but, but I yeah. the same thing. Like, I didn't, so, I didn't necessarily understand all of it either. So while I have the right, I've done the miscarriage. I've done the IUI. I've done the infertility. I've done the IVF, and I've done that. It doesn't work, and so I just want other people to know that like, so we decided, and this may change, maybe, I don't know, but for the moment, we're not doing it again. Um, Gavin's 11. We started taking road trips and traveling. And I feel like we had to say, we're not going to do it again. Not, not that we're giving up. And I feel like it makes me so angry when I see other people in this community the infertility community talk about giving up or I didn't give up or don't give up, keep going. I just want to normalize that IVF does not always work. And whether you do it once, whether you do it five times or whether you are infertile or you can't get pregnant and you decide to do it zero times, you're a warrior in this. And I just want like to say that because I'm not doing it again, it doesn't mean that I'm not giving up. Right. It's, it's me saying that this is time to close this chapter of my life so that I can heal. Because as long as there's the thought that we might do it again, I can't do that. And there's no set, there's nothing pointing us in the direction that it would finally work. And so I just, I just really want other people to know that like, whether you struggle to conceive, but for whatever your reason is, you don't do IVF or you do it once or you do it 10 times 
it doesn't make you any different from anybody else. The only difference is that some people get their baby and others don't. (sighs) So the only other thing that I want to say about it um, is that like, because I just read something the other day about I never gave up and I got my baby or whatever. Just because I'm choosing to heal, it doesn't mean that I've, I'm ever going to give up like the longing to have my baby right. with my husband. That will never, I will never give up the pain that comes with that. That's it. <laughs> um, well, now that we're both crying, I, we talked about this briefly before we started in one of the things I said to you is you bringing awareness to your story kind of brought awareness to mine because I never thought of it that way. I never thought of it as I was giving up on having a baby. I never thought where I was more dealt the fact that my body physically couldn't handle it. Like I was, it was fighting itself. And we talked about this, you know, we talk about how toxic Instagram can be sometimes and how different relationships or communities. And that's one of the things that I've never really knew about until I met you that there are these different journeys or different roads that are infertility, you know, or different definitions that we discussed, like we, John and I made the decision not to do it. You know, we could have easily taken all the steps to you, but what makes it different? That doesn't for- make your want for a baby with your husband exactly. any less than my want for a baby, just because I did it and you didn't. Right. It doesn't right. take away from that. And, you know, there's always those different comments, stuff that I would just passively you know, let go, like, well, if you really, if you guys really wanted one, you'd do it. Well, <laughs> well but at what cost? Because, right. right. So the, the same thing could then be said to, I did it twice. Does that mean if I don't do it a third time, I didn't really want it? Yeah. I mean, so, what, do I have 75 grand? Just, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, not that I'm going to talk about my money, but maybe I do, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like how you can't go to somebody, you know, one of the things that gets me and my family, you know, a lot with my mom is, is very much, you know, you and I've talked about it is, well, so-and-so did this and they got pregnant or so-and-so had endometriosis oh gosh, and they got is pregnant. The, that is like, the worst thing. And I know people think that they're trying to help, but the worst right. thing that you can say to somebody who can't get pregnant is, well, so-and-so did this or relax, mm-hmm. go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Did you do this? Did you do this? Oh, it's your weight. Oh, yeah. it's none of those things. My, um, my mother met two, actually two women that we know also have endometriosis. They have babies, they have two each. And I'll never forget. My mom went to the last, one of the last draws for me. She went to a baby shower for one of them. And her mom sat down next to my mom, house Nikki, they were talking and you know, Oh, uh, does she have any kids? My mom, cause that's again, my mom's hurt by this whole thing too. And I'm sure like your family kind of a, you know, thing. And uh, she came home and she's like, well, so-and-so had endometriosis. And she went, I'm like, mom, she went and saw the same doctor I did. Like, you know, I it's feel just... like this, the, the problem is the comparison to other people, right? Because every story, while it might seem similar is not, no. there are so many different things going on with so many different people. And it's not fair to compare any two stories mm-hmm. at all, ever. And it's also, I want to add to that too, whether or not the decision or the, the missing child, missing baby was a choice or not, it's still not something that should be compared. Like, what if I did, what if I just said out here, I didn't want kids and there's nothing wrong with, and and there's nothing wrong with not wanting kids. And I feel like the the way that the world looks upon certain things is just fucked up. It really is. And I think the way people think and the things that people think are okay to say to other people are not okay. Um, and I just, I just feel like there's, there's so many communities, but they could be toxic. Right. So like there are now there are incredible women Mm -hmm. that I've met through the infertility, IVF, childless, not by choice community. But I feel like, why do we have to separate them out? Mm-hmm. Like, why what's the can't difference? we just have one community mm-hmm. of this fucking sucks? Right. 
And that's one thing that I said to you, I never thought of me being part of that community until meeting you're like, yes, Nick, like this is, you're part of it. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Do invasive procedures doesn't mean any your your pain or your story is no different than mine, right? Or somebody else. And I applaud women who want to do IVF four or five times. Mm -hmm. But for me, I wouldn't survive another round. And I think that's something that you should like a, you should be so proud of being able to admit that is understanding where you are, where your mental health is, what you've been through. Like you're finally acknowledging and letting your body get to a point where it's time to heal and acknowledging that if you did this again, you would just lose more of yourself in it. Well, not only that, but like my marriage almost fell apart. I mean, it's a lot of stress. Gavin's watched every shot, every, everything. Gavin's mourning the fact that he'll never be a brother. Right. Shane will never have a kid, a kid of his own. Like, and he, I shouldn't say that because he definitely is like Gavin's his kid, but like the thought of like half him, half me, like, Mm -hmm. and it just, you know, and I see other people with their kids and I'm like, you get that. Like, so I just, that's, that's why I share my story because everybody has a different story. Mm-hmm. Even if you think they're the same, they're not. And I just feel like everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has a different situation. Everybody has a different outcome and they're all valid mm-hmm. and, and they're all painful. And I think by you sharing, it's just that awareness because like I, like I said, I learned so much from you sharing it that I honestly never even knew. I didn't know what went into it. I, like I said, I assume that you just, you get IVF, you get a baby, <laughs> like, there there it is. you know, um, but I'm, how do you feel? Like I'm going to cry. Okay. So okay. I just, well, on that note, before we get down <laughs> that road and I start crying, because I have a question for you. <laughs> what is the one thing you used to apologize for that you are unlikely to apologize for now? skipping events centered around babies, i.e. baby showers, gender reveals, newborns. Um, I can't handle it. And even if I don't know the person and I see a gender reveal or a pregnancy announcement on social media, I'll cry all day. And I wish I didn't, but I can't help it. Um, And I, it's not that I'm not happy for them because you can feel joy and pain at the same time. And I'm learning that. And I think there's people who say that and I've heard it before, but you can. So you can feel joy for somebody else while sitting in your pain at the same time. Um, And so I, I won't apologize for, for that. If there's an event or it doesn't even have to be centered around a baby, but if there's going to be somebody pregnant there, I'm probably not coming because I, 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 I'm not there yet. And that's fine. So that's mine. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing. Yes. This is. Can I shamelessly plug my nonprofit? Oh my God. Of course. (laughs) I was waiting for it to come up. (laughs) So after our second round of IVF, before we found out the news that we had no viable embryos, I realized how much money we had spent. And I have talked to a lot of different people and realized how blessed we were that we could afford to pay cash for all of this. Um, I've heard stories of women and their uh, spouses married, they have to take out loans Um, And then they're writing a check every month for a baby they never got. Um, Or they're clearing out their 401ks. Um, And so I wanted to start a nonprofit. It's called Hope, Faith, Strength. The three things you need to survive any trauma, I feel like. Um, But it is centered around infertility awareness. 
And the idea is that we are going to raise enough money to be able to help families to not have to worry about how they're going to pay for procedures or therapy or any of the extra stuff that they need to help them through the struggle of infertility. Um, so that's my nonprofit. We're going to have our first event next year. I will get with you after this because I need your help. Mm-hmm. I just decided. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the idea is that a hundred percent of all the proceeds goes into the nonprofit to give away and all of the expenses are paid directly from our account. So nothing is any, all donations are going to be donated away. Nothing's covering cost. <clears throat> so. uh, what is the Instagram handle for it and the website? <laughs> It is hopefaithstrength.org. And then the Instagram is hopefaithstrengthco. Yep, and we'll make sure to put those in the show notes. All right. So as always, we will end our episode. And I only cried a little bit. I was sitting here <laughs> as silent as I possibly could, because you know, I also love to jump in and speak. So um, I cried in the background. If you have any comments or you want to talk to Heather about what she's been through or have any questions, you can find us on Instagram at unlikely to apologize podcast. You can also email us at unlikely to apologize.com. Hello at unlikely to apologize.com. And I swear, ladies and gents, I will get this perfectly one day. one day. One day. I actually think it's humorous at this point. I mean, um, it is what it is. I kind of <laughs> like it. Uh, also, if you know anybody else that has similar stories or wants to share their stories, they can also contact us at either um, options. So, yes. I love away. you, Heather Flores. I love you. And I'm so happy you did this. Oh, I'm going to have some almond champagne now. I know. I wish I was there. I could have some champagne with you. So, all right. Well, we'll talk next week. Bye, everyone. Uh, I don't know why I wave. I do too. <laughs> Bye, everyone.